In a series of three tweets on Twitter across three different high-profile individuals, there seems to be a lot of finger-pointing when it comes to Trump, Russia, and our United States Congress. The Russian Prime Minister on Twitter says, The Trump administration has shown its total weakness by handing over executive power to Congress in the most humiliating way. Here, this individual is referencing a bill that President Trump signed into law that codified sanctions on Russia that were put in place during the Obama administration. This bill was so popular in Congress that it was veto-proof and President Trump couldn't do much about it. It. In response, President Trump tweets, Our relationship with Russia is at an all-time and very dangerous low. You can thank Congress, the same people that can't even give us age care. This is, of course, Trump trying to beat the snot out of Congress just a little bit uh, in retaliation for the Russians and Congress, I guess, making him feel a bit weaker. And a member of Congress, who you may know as Arizona Z Senator John McCain, responded to both of them with, our relationship with Russia is at dangerous low. You can thank Putin for attacking our democracy, invading neighbors, and threatening our allies. Nice burn, Mr. Senator. Nice burn. This just in, there is no more political news. That's right, all of the politics you could ever imagine happened. Oh wait, that's not at all true. Donald Trump yesterday visited West Virginia. Huntington, West Virginia, and gave a campaign-style rally. Now, there were a few interesting events that occurred around this rally in West Virginia, and there were also a couple interesting things that Trump said during the rally. So let's get to kind of the mystique surrounding this rally. Jim Justice, West Virginia's governor, took this rally as an opportunity to actually change his party affiliation from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. See, see what happened there? Trump was not in the state, he was a Democrat. Trump comes to the state and he became a Republican. It's spreading fast. Now nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Republican groups have taken the opportunity to say, yeah, we'll maybe treat him like a Republican and Democrats are taking the opportunity to say, look at all the terrible things that Republicans said about him during the campaign. Now we're going to say all those things about him and remind the people of West Virginia that they were lied to for eight months about like what he really stands for. Uh, so some interesting politicking down in West Virginia, which I find very interesting. Uh, and I'm sure the citizens of Huntington, West Virginia also found very interesting that they kind of this small town became the epicenter of such a, a big conversation nationally. Trump took the rally opportunity to remind everyone that Russia was not the reason that he won the election. He said to the citizens of West Virginia, you are the reason that we won this election. As a political scientist, I can tell you a few different reasons why Trump won the election. And one, yes, more rural states going for Trump is definitely something that was to his advantage, especially when you go by the Electoral College. That said, few individuals would make the argument that West Virginia was a pivotal state in 2016. If you're looking for pivotal states in 2016, we're looking more to areas like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, those states. 
For more on how President Trump really is more in his element when he's in campaign mode, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. Special counsel into the FBI's investigation between Trump ties to Russia has called for the creation of a grand jury in Washington, D.C. yesterday afternoon. This calling of the grand jury is in connection to his investigation into Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election and the possible collusion that may have taken place between Russia and the Trump campaign. However, at this point, the investigation is going a bit beyond 2016. Trump's financial disclosures over the years, different land and real estate deals are all fair game, according to Robert Mueller and his team. Some outlets are saying that a grand jury would not be getting put together unless there was more than just smoke to the Trump collusion stories, that there's probably a smoking gun or fire somewhere off in the distance. However, others are saying that this is simply doing due diligence to the process, and that for an order for Robert Mueller's process and investigation to be accepted by all individuals on the left and the political right, that there needs to be this in-depth and full coverage of an investigation. So Robert Mueller is calling for a grand jury. You're probably asking yourself then, well, what is a grand jury? It sounds pretty fancy. Well, what a grand jury means in this case is that the prosecutors, that's Robert Mueller and a few other individuals that he's brought onto the team, are allowed to subpoena individuals and documents that they might not otherwise have access to. They can make sure that witnesses testify under oath, and they can actually formally charge someone with a crime. The powers granted to Robert Mueller by virtue of assembling a grand jury is one of the main reasons why individuals say that a smoking gun has probably occurred or they expect a smoking gun to occur. While there have been rumblings among members of the Trump administration that Trump may be wanting to fire or get rid of special prosecutor Robert Mueller, doing it after he has put together a grand jury would not be the best, at least for public appearances. For more on politics and public appearances, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. Hey there, everybody. It's me, Ian Shapiro, your host of Politics Explained. Just a few reminders about how you can get this news, which may be strange if you're already listening to it, but there are a lot of ways that you can listen to Politics Explained. You can, of course, always listen on the Anchor app. You can download the show as a podcast from iTunes, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are really sold. You can also now get the podcast on any any device with Google Assistant. Just say, Hey Google, what's the latest news from Politics Explained? Or you can get a bunch of other anchor rundowns for news, politics, tech, video games, uh, anything that really tickles your fancy. Maybe politics tickles your fancy. Maybe Politics Explained is the only show you listen to. Maybe I'm the only audio content that ever enters your ears on a daily basis. For that, I am humbled, and I apologize profusely. Hey, so those are a few of the ways that you can listen to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. You're listening to Politics Explained. And now let's get back to the politics. 
Public discourse on political parties and partisanship can be a sticky wicket, right? It can be uh, kind of difficult to talk about because it's kind of devolved into an us versus them tribal system. So what can survey data, you know, public opinion, widely collected, actually tell us about the state of partisanship in America? Uh, uh, to what extent is it really a our team versus their team, my team versus your team dichotomy? It probably comes as no surprise that Republicans as a whole have become more upbeat about the general direction of our country since Donald Trump's electoral victory in 2016. Democrats have become less positive on the direction that our country is taking. Whether it is because of political realities or it's because, you know, the news sources that people listen to are telling them um, one way or the other, it looks like only 26% of the public say that on the issues that matter to them in politics, their side is on the winning side more often than it is the losing side. That's compared to 62% that say their side loses on the issues that they care about much more often. This is an overtime trend that held true two years ago. So when it comes to public perceptions of, you know, are things going well, the public, no matter who is in power, generally thinks that things are going in the dumpster. So my source from some of these statistics is from a Pew Research survey uh, that was conducted between June 27th and July 9th of this year. It was conducted among about 2,500 American adults. And here's kind of the large takeaway. When individuals have their party in power, like Republicans do now with the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they are more likely to say that they see their side as winning on the issues that they care about most. However, it's not a majority, right? We have about 44% of Republicans saying that right now. However, a few years ago, back in 2015, that number would have been 12% of Republicans. So while it doesn't look like even controlling all of government makes you think, like, makes a majority of a certain group of partisans think that they are winning more often than they're losing, it at least has a substantial growth in, you know, I guess positive attitudes towards what government can do for you and your ideolo ideological and you know physical interests in this world. So what is this saying? I guess it says that when you win in politics, it makes you happier than when you lose, but it still just doesn't make you very happy, and you're still pessimistic about the whole endeavor. And that holds true for Republicans and Democrats. This is a bipartisan psychological occurrence. For more on bipartisanship and psychological occurrences in politics, you are listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro.